Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey there, welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. This is podcast episode number two for 2021. I've lost count of what podcast episode it is for the, for the series. I guess we should have been savvy. You know, a lot of these podcast companies, they have like season one and you get 12 episodes and it's season two. I think we'd be well into season three, possibly even verging on season four by now. Anyway, let's hear from the superstars of the show. Amy Shaw's in the house. How are you doing, Amy? Hello, I'm very well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I think when we started this podcast, we were definitely were not that organised to be able to start doing it in seasons, but, you know, I like this idea. It makes us, you know, want it if you think, yeah, new season's going to be coming out soon, da-da-da-da, and gets people excited. Yeah. <laughs> but we just carried on. By the way, I we'll should quantify, on. when I say Amy Shaw's in the house, I should say Amy Shaw's in her house, because <laughs> we are... My tiny, tiny house. We are once again remote recording with uh, our little microphone devices and John Marker with all the stress of having to make it all knit together like a <laughs> like a fine weave. There is, of course, I've na- I, listen, it's like a siren of joy has just gone off. I've used the magic words. John Marker! Hello, Andy J. I can also tell you, I think, if I, I think, I'm saying, I'm, I'm hesitant now that I'm saying it, I think this is episode 29. This is, ep- yes, I'm sure it is. Episode 29. Isn't that amazing? Okay. 29 episodes. So it would be we'd, be. we'd be at the midpoint of season three if we were doing the old, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Where do, shall we give ourselves a cap now for the end of season one? How, how far would you like to go? No. And then maybe we'll do something strange like change the background colour of our um, 
our picture. Oh, exciting. Steady on. <laughs> At the minute we're white and black, we could go black on white. Oh, oh. it's possible. It's all possible. A <laughs> couple of mavericks in the house today. Goodness me. <laughs> in their houses today. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost what I'm doing. Um, Amy's had some good news for 2021, and I'm so pleased about this because 2021 is weird. I think everyone had this expectation at the end of 2020 that suddenly there was going to be the refresh button and the world is great again. <laughs> on, you know, tw tw one minute past midnight on the 1st of January, the world is safe and there's no more COVID and everything. No, absolutely not. And if anything, <laughs> the pot got stirred even further. So I'm all for celebrating big, good, happy news. And Amy, you've had some big, good, happy news. Yes, I have. So, uh, no, I last year um, I had my, had my contract with Nikon UK ended, um, which has been an amazing ride with them, and um, I was super happy to, to be part of that. And then, uh, yeah, so it was quite a surprise yesterday when I got uh, an email from Nikon Europe saying, would I like to be an ambassador for them? So I am super excited Yay! to say that the next, yeah, two years at least, I will be an ambassador for Nikon Europe. And, yeah, this is the first time I've said this, like, to the public, so, uh, yeah, exclusive drop on that one. So thank you guys for That's your really lovely cool. words thrilled thrilled <laughs> to bits and you know i feel i feel like it's even cooler knowing you now you know <laughs> it's always been a joy you get loads of free stuff do you get like camp? i do get <gasps> so it works out i get an allowance so <gasps> and the allowance has gone up from the the nikon uk but the problem is i'm quite minimal with my stuff so I don't. I find it almost a struggle to spend the allowance. I can spend that for you, Ames. I can spend. <laughs> yeah, that for I was you. about to Not say. Help me out. Let's Not go shopping when we're all allowed. Let's all go shopping, and Andy and I will just spend your allowance. I'll have Perfect. six Barbary horses. Oh. <laughs> I wish it's all uh, just cameras, my friend. I'm good sorry. with that as well. That's fine. <laughs> John, do you have any life-affirming good news for us, or should we just jump on? <laughs> oh gosh, uh, let me think. Uh, no, no. I think my, my greatest achievement of this week so far is successfully vacuuming every room with my Dyson. That's it. And That's about it. Mate, take the wins. I'm, I'm good with that too. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Happy days. Now, look, we, I think this is a big episode today. Um, John managed to make a call to a, a good friend of his who was very keen to join us but travels so much we thought it was going to be impossible to, to kind of find mm -hmm. a time for, for diaries to align with time zones and everything else. However, um, he and I, John and I, were able to catch up with the man, the internet sensation, can we call him that, um, that is Shmi150 when he was in a hotel room in the middle of the night. I don't want to give any more away because, you know, we're about to talk to him and you'll hear it. And I think this is a, this is a really cool chat. So if, you're, if you've come here for Camber and Combustion, um, worry not. They've been bumped, but not by more than a week. And it's no slight on them. We think they're fantastic guys. And it's a great listen. I can't wait for you to hear that show. Um, but it's just Shmi's a bit more time sensitive. Because, of course, you know, as he moves and stuff, you don't want to be watching his videos and be completely out of sync with the conversations we have. So it's better to kind of do it as timely as we can. Plus... There are a lot of shows at the moment that are playing you old stuff that was recorded kind of, you know, mid-2020. We're trying to show you how current we are. 2021. We're, we're fresh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's all new for season 98. And happy days. <laughs> now, Amy, you're, if I'm, if I'm correct, you're not a huge consumer of the Shmi product. No. So Shmi, I, as I'm, I think, is primarily videos. And I have... Yeah. Only re I'm not really a YouTube watcher, so yeah, I've probably watched about 10 seconds of one of his videos and then quickly realised that his style was not quite for me. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just yeah. I think we've got different uh, ways that we like to consume our automotive entertainment. Um, and his videos are not quite what I like to watch, which is, you know, I think he's brilliant. And I, you know, he, what he's done for, for, for the world and, you know, the, the amount of people that do follow and subscribe to his channels is incredible. Um, but yeah, so I'm really interested to hear this chat because um, I think I'd like to know a bit more about the man behind the Shmi. Mm. That was very diplomatic, wasn't it? Very, very diplomatic. It was worded to perfection, almost like you'd written it, Amy. Very well. <laughs> um, no, but you're absolutely right, because I think, and you'll, you'll get this in the, in the conversation that we're about to dive into. I, I wanted to be, as, you know, as a friend to Tim, I wanted to be quite harsh with my question. And I want, in my head, I had this way of saying, why do so many people hate you? I, I, I didn't word it like that in the end, because... It didn't feel right at the time. He did. Um, he did word it. But right. <laughs> it, was, it was it was so clear. <laughs> but that, you know, I it, it's clear. I think he said dislike instead of hate. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. But you know, when as Tim will, as you will hear from Tim very shortly, he will point out that the um, you know once you get to a certain figure or following on online, you will always get people that like and don't like and. Like so many influencers, not just in the automotive world, but in every every aspect of the public eye, uh, when people, some people want to be vocal, my goodness me, they really want to be vocal, and, and Tim Tim does get it. But yes, uh, he 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 was great, as you hear in the interview. He has a fantastic way of dealing with it, handling it, and um, moving on from it without it really disrupting much. I thought it was a very good company, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think of this chat. Regardless, here's my only request, actually. Regardless of what baggage you bring to the table with regards to Shmi 150, I would suggest give them an open mind for this chat and see. Yeah. If you still think, not into it, fine. Some of you might think differently. Let's see. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, look, it's, I'm really pleased. Hello. Welcome to a, a special episode of the Driven Chat podcast because we're joined by a man who everyone knows. And it's always lovely when you don't actually need to give a person a huge build up because they're just so well known. The thing is, this man is known by two different names. So, so therefore, I'm going to give them both. On YouTube, he's Shmi150. In the real world, he's Tim Burton. And if it's all right with you, I'm going to call him Tim. How are you doing, Tim? Hey Andy, I'm good. Thank you very much. Great to be on with you. Um, Thank you so much times. for joining us. It's it's really really cool because I know you're travelling all over the world. Despite mad COVID stuff, you've you've kind of you're travelling everywhere and producing all kinds of content. So you've managed to merge your diary with well John Markar's in order to be <laughs> here. So I really appreciate it. Of course, the marvelous Mr. Markar, as always, our resident legend, is in the house as well, although remotely, as it were. We are. Hi, this is this is probably the most exciting remote one we've done because it's usually me somewhere in the West Midlands, Andy somewhere down in the South, and Amy somewhere else in the West Midlands. And now we've got uh, the South of England, the Midlands, and Dubai, which has been. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw someone lovingly refer to Dubai earlier on a, a, an internet meme as uh, the London Borough of Dubai because it seems that almost everyone in the UK has somehow managed to escape and is just living there. <laughs> are you finding it, it, that, Tim? Is, Have you seen a lot of yeah, Brits? It, it's genuinely bizarre how many messages I'm getting saying, hey, I've come out to Dubai. Can we meet up? I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're from the UK. This, yeah. <laughs> this happened very quickly. I mean, you know, we've been out for a couple of weeks um, already having expected what was coming. But obviously, 
when you're chasing supercars around the world and looking to make videos of them all, yeah. you, you want sunshine and nice cars and the ability to, to do things and go to places. So, so I guess preemptively to everything completely uh, going the way it did in the UK, we, we said, right, off to Dubai we go. Mm. And then the UK closed up and then it feels like the, the London borough of Dubai was born. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what's it like? Because you're, I mean, you're always on the go. And, and actually anybody that, that just has a quick look at your YouTube page will see the volume of work. You know, the number of pieces of content that you're creating seems like daily. I, I mean, is your diary just utterly crazy? Well, it, it, normally, yes. If, you know, 2019 for me was a pretty mental year, to say the least, uh, in terms of flying long distances for very short periods to to go to all sorts of different events and literally uploading videos basically every single day of something somewhere uh, across well all six inhabited continents of the world pretty much every year so 2020 was an interesting change of pace because all of a sudden i had the opportunity to spend two months at home which was amazing absolutely fantastic um normally you know though when it comes to social media you want to be go 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 uh, from the consumer side you're you know people are there always on their mobile devices somewhere at some time during the during the day somewhere in the world and and ready for content so you as a content creator want to be providing as much as you can all the mm. time um which when it comes to cars as opposed to you know if it was gaming genre or, or something else which would be more home-based i'm reliant upon finding the manufacturers finding the racetracks and finding the events and that means a lot of travel yeah you, i mean you're absolutely non-stop how much does it, I remember that we first met, thanks to John, back, I mean, it must have been four or five years ago now, you know, when I had the old radio show, the motor it show, would have been very kindly came on that. 2016, 17. Right, okay, so years yeah, ago now, like, yeah. like quite a while now. And I can remember, it, it wasn't new for you then, but it was still very exciting. You know, track ahead, three, four years, whatever it is, five years, and it's still non-stop. Has, has it got to the point where it, it's, it's, starting to feel like work <laughs> do you know what i started my youtube channel actually in a couple of days time 11 years ago um, in those 11 years i've actually averaged more than one video per day i've uploaded more than 4,000 videos <laughs> <Wow>. across 11 <laughs> years and do you know it, it started being what i would call a job for me while very much a job i seriously enjoy still a good seven or eight years ago from now um because i could see where it was well I, I could see where i hoped it would go let's mm. say um perhaps now even versus you know when we met three or four years ago it's more serious than it was then because i'm aware much more aware of the reach have many more commercial partnerships and a lot more responsibilities the growth of social media in itself puts you in a position of having more responsibility on your shoulders anyway in terms of who's following what they're following what you're putting out uh, especially, you know, this year, this last 12 months as well. Um, I'm never for a second going to say that I don't enjoy it, though. <laughs> yeah. Tra traveling a lot. It, it, this, this mixes three things I love. Technology, so cameras, recording, social media, travel, seeing a lot of the world, even if it's at a, a, a rapid pace, going to, to so many places I could only have dreamt of going to, and then cars, you know, getting to experience and drive some of the greatest cars in the world, seeing things that people have never seen, collections. I, I, it's... It's it's a huge array of different things that comes together, and you know, I, I, you'll you'll never see me complaining about it, even if it's fifteen hour days, seven days a week, nonstop. And do you That's know what's brilliant. lovely? 
Tim, is that is that it, that's so clear in your videos as well. You say four thousand videos. Uh, I haven't seen all of them. Right, I'll be honest with you. I've seen a, I've seen a good <laughs> chunk of them, but not every single one. But I can't think of a single example where you're going like, oh, "Hello, so here we go. Let's give this a try." You know, you're still genuinely thrilled. It's it's, and I don't mean this to sound condescending at all. It, it's kind of kid in a candy store when you're when you first see a car that you've never seen before, or you're let behind the wheel of something super rare and super exclusive. You're genuinely, as we would be, like, "This is so cool." You know, even yeah. though, you know, you're like, oh, and tomorrow I've got to drive that and I've got to get there. And you're, you're genuinely thrilled in the moment. But it completely is. You know, I've, I've always had a big passion for cars, which is what got me into creating content about cars to begin with. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never not realize how incredible it is to have the opportunities with manufacturers so often to be filming cars that aren't released yet or driving cars that have price tags you don't really want to start thinking about or, or whatever it might be, because... You know, I used to, it, this all started for me running around the streets of London filming whatever cars I might see going past or going to stand at motor shows and, you know, the crowds of people looking at cars. It was something that I did for fun. And now each time I'm picking up a camera and holding it with what we call the selfie technique for videos, uh, um, you know, each time I'm holding the camera up, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking myself, you know, that I'm doing something that's epic. But this is also my job. And, you know, the, the, the job elements introduced where you have to think about things like the storyline and structure of the video. Do you have all of the photos that you need for the thumbnail, the mm. social media shares? Do you have all of your stories? Do you have any other content you need to gather? So there is, you know, the work element. But then when you're driving a brand new Lamborghini on a racetrack and it's your job, <laughs> you can't not smile. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's. It's it's a it's a very lucky one for me because you know I focus a lot on supercars and luxury cars so the very top end and you know aspirational products and and very expensive high performing cars it, it, it's a world where it's very rare that there's there's something to drive that isn't very good mm, yeah you know, if if I'm sitting here driving a new Bugatti and I tell you it's rubbish. I'm I'm clearly a bit, you know. <laughs> it's a I'm bit just like when people say it's a bit like when people say, Well Jimi Hendrix, you know, again he's famous, but he wasn't really that good at guitar. Like <laughs> Yes like, he no. was. <laughs> and there's a reason that so many people love it. I'd like to explore if possible, Tim, because you and I we've known each other now must be seven or eight years. I think we've we first met for the first time properly, uh, probably at the Gumball three thousand office when I was uh, um, starting out as a event coordinator there. And I, I remember having heard about you. I hadn't seen much of your activity on YouTube, but I'd, I'd certainly heard a lot about you. And um, somebody in the office, whether it was Max or Lucinda or somebody else, had said that you were coming on the rally as a, as a media partner. And I was kind of confused and thought, well, it doesn't really make much sense to me. So I started immediately looking into who you were and what you did. And I think me, like so many other people at that time, were thinking, how on earth has this happened? Like, because YouTube, I think at that time was it was certainly growing. It was it was flourishing, but it was still a very unknown form of media to a lot of people, me included. And I got a bit of a whirlwind lesson in the world of automotive influences because ultimately, I remember somebody else in the office saying he basically goes around and films cars in London, and he's got millions of people following on YouTube. And I was like. Why? <laughs> it, it, it didn't make any sense. I obviously love cars and I, I will always uh, turn my head when I see a supercar or a hypercar or a classic car driving around in central London. But for me, the idea of running after it and filming it was quite bizarre. And then, of course, we met on the rally 
and we you know we've been good friends ever since and i think we there's about a week a, a week to the year that separates us in age so we're both the same sort of age so it it's been fascinating as a as somebody that's got to know you as a friend and seen how you've evolved from then but i don't really know the full backstory of what got you to that point because i think since then since that first meeting of ours which would have been back in 2013 i've seen you on the television i've seen you feature in just about every other automotive youtuber's world i can't click on any form of car page on Facebook without there being some sort of reference to you or comment about you. Um, we filmed together. We've done road trips together now around Europe. In fact, I was reminiscing earlier on watching some of our Fuel Faction tours that we did together back in, that would have been 2016, I think. Um, I'd like to know, and I think a lot of people at home would like to know, how did this begin for you? Because there is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the first person to say that there is a lot of um, bizarre rumors and stories and theories on how you as a, a guy in your early 30s are able to rock around in a collection of supercars <laughs> and hypercars um, I, I've heard every rumor under the sun we've joked about it together um, it's no secret that your family name comes from a certain fashion brand here in the UK um, but that doesn't automatically mean that that's where it's all stemmed from you have actually done a real hustle you've actually worked hard um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear in your words, if possible, how it's gone from you having an interest in cars, because you're initially work-wise, it didn't start out as a, um, it, it wasn't Tim wanting to film cars and make money from it. It was a completely different area, wasn't it? Which, which then evolved. Um, so in your words, how would you, how would you explain your journey from just being a bit of a car geek like the rest of us to being probably the most famous automotive YouTuber in the world? John, by the way, has just set the record for the longest question. That was quite long, wasn't it? I apologise. <laughs> Where do we begin? <laughs> I, I mean, what you have to remember is when I started posting content of cars online, we're talking 2007, 13 yeah. years ago, 14 years ago, sorry. Excuse me. We've had a new year. Um, <laughs> think, things have changed a lot. Back then, there was no concept of browsing YouTube as a means of entertainment in the way we do now there was no concept of influencer or youtuber or earning money on the internet in that way um very much an era of course i mean in 2007 quite literally facebook had just become available in the uk instagram didn't exist snapchat didn't exist <laughs> you know Good the, times. the world we know now yeah, yeah youtube had just been bought by google and merged google videos and youtube together um so completely different completely different youtube was where you went to watch charlie bit my finger and you know the silly viral video that you might see and send to your mum or whatever, or even host your own videos to send to your friends. Um, so it was more for me, uh, you know, a, a, an experimentation with video. When I was at school, I was always into making videos using Windows Movie Maker, all its fine, fine glory, hmm. and had you know a, a mini DV tape camcorder that I had bought myself. Um, I was big in into using eBay and buying and selling things, and had bought myself a video camera, and I'd record things like sports matches at school or just silly behavior trying to make home uh, like video, music videos, you know, mis misbehaving as you do uh, and finding somewhere to put them became YouTube of, you know, and the school holidays, upload the video that we had shot a few weeks before and send it to, to my friends from school. So what that eventually moved on to was being into video cameras and playing with this kind of technology and editing things and Lo and behold, finding myself in London with 
not really anything to do other than walk around and, hey, there's a nice car, I'll make a video clip of it. And was it literally uh, just that? It was cars is what interested you. That was the most obvious thing to go and film as opposed to trees or dogs. Well, it's, it's actually, there's even more to it. So I'd been, I'd been uploading photos of nice cars I, I've seen. I went to university in London. I've been uploading photos of nice cars that I've seen uh, around town on my Facebook profile when, back in the day when Facebook profile galleries were linked to, I think, 20 photos max or 30 mm. photos, and then it became 60, which was amazing. <laughs> um, so I've been posting photos as well as on static forums online like Piston Heads and these kind of things. And I actually bought myself a new 1080p video camera ahead of going on a skiing trip with the purpose of making ski videos. And then in the process before that, short, you know, early January, shortly before uh, going out to the mountains, walked around town one evening and stumbled into an event that was being hosted by Top Gear magazine, their an annual awards show, uh, awards event. And they happened to have some cool cars outside and Mr. Clarkson arrived. So there am I on the other side of the road holding my video camera thinking, oh, I'll just record some clips, see what happens and then go home and stick it on the internet. And I think a, a couple of thousand people watched it. I was like, hey, this is cool. And then found myself basically just playing around, uploading some more videos. There was no revenue generation or, or anything other than posting the video and finding it fun that five people would comment on it and say that's cool <laughs> you know and engage back is a way of meeting people online to talk about cars um it, it's crazy that that you know was a mistake in many ways because the i bought a camera to film skiing and ended up filming cars and that's that's where it went from there <laughs> and at the time you know i think at the at the time i started i had a, a bmw one series so i'd shot some a few things myself for fun like attaching a camera with a suction mount i bought online and then overlaying i uh, i drove around central london once when it was snowing and, and had put snow patrol chasing cars <laughs> as an overlay which obviously got me a copyright strike on my youtube channel when <laughs> when all of that started later on but but just you know i guess being a, a young person wanting to learn how cameras and the internet worked and Car, cars being a passion it all managed to come together uh, and over that year I started going out intentionally walking around to car spots to to film cars driving around to cycle around I used to cycle around chasing cars but I was, I was the only person really doing it there were one or two other people in mm. London some close friends even to this day uh, who were were doing the same thing but nowadays if you go out to the center of a city you see a hundred people holding a camera it's a, yeah. it's a completely different world. That's true. Can you remember um, the time that you first pointed the camera towards you and said the I, hi I guys, I'm Shmi? So, so the first time I ever filmed myself was uh, n not immediately. For the first couple of years, um, I had filmed my own progression. I was working a job in, in the city at the time in, mm. in an investment consultancy in the tech department. So I, was, I wasn't you know, treating YouTube anything like a full-time gig at this stage, but spending a lot of my evenings and weekends instead of being social <laughs> being social in a different way by shooting videos that I'd put on the internet um so I spent most of the time behind the camera filming just the cars but I had tried to dabble in one or two uh, vlogs I was watching the UK vloggers like KSI and, mm. and other names who are now huge starting out and they had you know a few hundred thousand subscribers and it's like oh, i've got to give this a go and i had a blackberry bold and my first my first <laughs> vlogs were actually just holding my blackberry with the back of it because it didn't have a front camera to me and trying yeah. to hope i had started recording and stopped recording and, and you know they're really awkward kind of today i'm at the car wash and this is what i'm doing <laughs> you know <laughs> nothing very exciting um the first video i ever put on the shmi 150 channel was a 
an attempt at a review of my Aston Martin V8 Vantage, which I bought about a year into YouTube. So it wasn't a business at that point, but obviously I had my, my full-time job, which was going very well. Um, and it, it's super, super cringeworthy. It doesn't start, hi guys, I'm Shmi. It starts it's something along the lines of, hello, I, uh, you know me on YouTube as Shmi150. <laughs> Thank you for watching my video. Or something completely awkward. But I made a conscious shift towards standing more in front of the camera in early 2013 when it turned into being, when I, at the time I was turning it into a, a full-time job um, and, and leaving my, my previous job and starting videos and creating, I guess, a bit, a bit more of a, a, a brand around it, around the videos, you know, consistency between the intros and the outros and videos linking from one to the next. Um and now it's just become a thing that has to happen, right? It's part of the brand. You have to start in, in the way that you start. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's go back to the, let's address the whole family name thing because I'd love to, I obviously know the backstory to this and I, and again, I it riles me. I find myself getting angry when looking at threads of comments from people talking about you on on the internet going, oh no, you know, he's he, he, he's never had to work a day in his life because he's got a bajillion pounds a day that he earns from his family's fashion brand. Do us all a favor and just explain that that firstly isn't the case. It's also never been the case either, has it? Because I know there are a lot of people that are so adamant that they've made up their own conclusion of how your your journey's begun. It's been this silver spoon, um, you know, completely everything laid on a platter for you. And now, oh, why doesn't he run off and film some cars? Uh, why don't you just tell us, give us an overview of, of well, put that story to rest, I, I should say. So it, it's quite funny. There are three businesses that share the name of my surname, Burton. There is the clothing store, as you mentioned, there is the snowboard company, and there is also Burton's Biscuits. <laughs> and I see all sorts of conversations between people who know the businesses. You know, if you're, in, if you're interested in the business world, you'll know about this. Um, it goes backwards and forwards between what, what people want to come up with whenever it is. Uh, as you mentioned, though, clothing business, for the whole of my life, that's been Sir Philip Green. Yeah. Like, how do you get from Philip Green? <laughs> that doesn't take a genius to, no. to have to work out. Um, I, I did come from, from a, a good background. I, I was uh, brought up well. I did go to a good school and I did get to travel a lot when I was younger. Um, and, you know, these, these things, the way they are on the Internet, as soon as you have a, a well-spoken voice, you must have been given everything. Um, I think the number one thing that I was given growing up was the determination and drive to go out and, and do things. Um, to, to give it a go if you believe in something and, and work hard at it. But what people don't realize now that they see all the crazy cars in the garage, you know, forgetting that this is a business as well, but that when I started, I had a 1.2 litre Renault Clio and then I had my BMW 1 Series. It didn't start with a supercar when I was 17, you know? <laughs> you know? Um, so I've, I've been given a little bit of support a, along the way because in my first business venture for example I, I was importing electronics to resell online and then through a shop in london so i had, had borrowed a little bit of money for that but no the the crazy thing for me with the youtube and shmi 150 as we know it in terms of creating videos it's always been a self uh, like a self-maintained business so to speak you know what it's earned and created has gone back into the cars that then share the content the cars have not come from anywhere else yeah um Obviously, like many, well, I say obviously, but like many young males in London in my younger years, I definitely overfinanced myself into cars I probably shouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. 
but it turns out that that helped create my YouTube channel and made the rest possible down the line. So do I regret it? Not really. <laughs> Even if I was wondering how on earth I was going to pay the finance bill for a McLaren <laughs> when I had my first RFC. The, so interestingly, um, we've, we've, we've just on. heard John in his introduction saying that, you know, it riles him when he sees this mis these mistruths about you on the forums and things. And of course, being social media, being YouTube, etc., it is a public access platform. People spout opinions left, right and centre. How much do you read them? How much do you care about whether things are true or not? And, and how much are you affected by the negative comments as everyone gets, unless you're John Markar, who's just loved by the world, <laughs> you know, as well as the nice comments, of course. So we, we try and read a lot, firstly, because I believe in engaging with people who take a lot of time to watch the content, which makes it possible for me to do what I do in the first place. It is very time consuming and it's also very distressing when, for example, you don't have the time to reply back to somebody and it upsets them. It's not that you mean to not reply, it's that if I was to sit there on my phone personally replying to everybody that messaged me, I physically could not do it in 24 hours a day. The number of messages that come come in, it, it would be an impossibility. Um, in terms of, well, haters, to use the term, I think anybody who does anything that reaches a large audience is always going to have a percentage of people that don't like you for whatever reason. They can have predetermined that they don't like you because you're doing something fun, because they don't like the way you talk, because they don't like something about you. You can't change it and you just have to accept it. You know, I, I, for the small amount of hate that I'm fortunate enough to receive, that sounds strange to say, but, but by, by many standards, I, I don't luckily get, get very much because I'm focusing on a very positive topic overall. When I see, you know, the world of football players and politicians and the amount of bickering between followers who hate one and love the other it, i feel very lucky that the world i'm in fortunately doesn't have to uh, have to deal with very much of that at all um yeah it's it's a it's a difficult one because i'd love to spend my entire time you know replying to things but but you just can't you have to you have to balance it try and engage as much as possible with positive messages you know if somebody writes a positive message towards me or a message, even if it's asking a question, if they take a positive tone to it, mm -hmm. rather than the trying to catch you out tone, they're much, much, much more likely to get a reply. I always find that fascinating. And I, I, we've had similar conversations with uh, a lot of people, the big social media presence. Alex Kirsten from Car Throttle, he, yeah. he, put some, he said something fantastic on one of our podcasts that we recorded um, back in the summer, one of our, probably within the first 10 episodes. And he was saying that, um, Fortunately, Car Throttle as a whole get quite a lot of love. You know, it's majority love over hate. But you can always tell that you can always you can see the comments, the way they're written, that are the ones that all they want is some sort of reaction. They just want to hear a response from you. So they might say something that they in no way in a million years would ever say to your face, but they will happily write it down in the hope that you'll then respond. And the amount of times that people then immediately backtrack, once you respond, oh, 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 it was only a, you know, it was only a joke. I don't actually mean it. I, I, I'm actually your biggest fan. And it's, it's funny, isn't it, seeing that mentality of how 
how people work in, uh, I think Darren Brown once put, gave it a, a fantastic statement of, it's as if the world are wearing masks. If you test the population of the world by giving everyone a mask that covers their face, they work in a different way and they act in a different way. And I think the internet is, has been much the same. Everybody's got a voice now, everybody's got an opinion, and everybody ultimately has an audience to read that opinion. So it's, um, it's fascinating to see it. But two things I wanna pick up on, firstly is, it, would you say that the, because you do get, and I have seen it, um, and again, like I said before, it annoys me when I see it, but there are some people that do say some really quite mean things. And I think you must be quite resilient in a sense to firstly know that there, yeah, these sort of comments are being said. And I'm sure, like I said before, it's people that would never dream of saying this sort of thing to your face. But they have, there, there seems to be this trend in small communities and pockets of people that like to say nasty things about you. Is it just a case of you just ignore it and pretend it's not there? Or is it just something, as you say, you know it happens and you just deal with it? It's very easy to get caught up on the tiny percentage of comments that are negative. You know, out of out of every 100 messages I receive, one of them is negative. Mm. You know, and it's, it's easy to be attracted straight to that and want to, you know, bash out on your keyboard some, some response back to the person, forgetting that the other 99% have all said something very supportive. Um, it, it is something you just have to, to get on with. You know, you, you need some context behind who's writing the messages as well. When it's mm. just a username that's some gibberish with a picture that means nothing, you have no idea. Maybe that person lost their job that morning mm -hmm. and that's why they're mad. Maybe it's just a kid who's trying to get a reaction out of you, as you said. There's no way to know who it is and what's happened so how how can you know they know me well they know shmi because they're watching the videos that and what's published they don't necessarily know tim that's an interesting i think side topic between internet personality and, and real life um but how can i reply back to somebody who i don't know anything about yeah. you know speak to, speak speak at a car event let's have a, a civilized grown-up chat but at the end of the day if somebody's upset about something they're watching for free on the internet Mm. you know it's 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 a pointless fight it's a it's a lost cause there's a cross button in the top corner if you don't like it click it or watch the next video you know you're absolutely um, right i always I, and this again this is something we've discussed on previous podcasts i'm sure but the fascination with people's need or desire to say something negative on the internet it is always baffled me and it baffled me i remember being a child and watching Terry Wogan's points of view. And I remember sitting at home, you know, as a probably a five or six year old and saying to my mum, why do people bother writing in to complain? If they don't like it, just change the channel. And it's, nothing's <laughs> changed. You know, these, this is now the grown adults of the world, you know, of all ages, I guess, that feel so compelled to write negative comments. You just think, as you say, it's, firstly, it's free. Secondly, there's lots of other things you can watch. <laughs> so if you don't like it, go and watch something else. They're, they're, one of the, you know, the, the negative stuff where somebody says, I don't like your face or something mm. stupidly generic, I, I literally am a long way beyond caring about, yeah. as you can probably imagine. It happens, sometimes... it happens a lot more, though, Tim, when you're me and the face gets older. You know, that'll, you're all right right now. Give it sort of 10, 15 years and then you'll be like, yeah, they've kind of got a point. <laughs> I'm getting there, getting there, getting there quickly with this much time on the road. Um <laughs> That, that, that stuff doesn't really matter. You know, quite quite often there are intellectual comments written that, mm. you know, somebody might 
go down a very political route of you know it could it could be right now why are you filming in dubai yeah because they want to have a whole political discussion about the middle east but i'm here you know what i'm trying to share is my passion for cars and hopefully inspiring another generation to be interested in cars in a world that's changing enough on its own but also in some ways giving i know many people from the messages i receive ambition to work hard themselves to to achieve ownership eventually perhaps of, of these kind of things because you know lots of us guys and and girls had had pictures of cars on on the walls when we were kids you look up to these things and they they give you a, a target in many ways for what you want to do um so i i i often would love to get into a complicated debate about many different topics that come up but you can't via a keyboard and no. faceless messages because when somebody has an opinion on the internet they'll never change their mind mm. based on something someone else has written it's it's a, a phrase that i heard a long long time ago was fighting on the internet is stupid because no matter what you both lose That's and right. i've always you, even if i start writing something to reply to somebody i just think back to that and i'm like I know this person isn't going to take any interest in what I say. Um, you know, if if I can be simple about it right now, you know, okay, we came out to Dubai. We came out completely legally to Dubai with PCR testing before and on arrival within the rules of both the UK and the UAE with the intention of being away for a very long time. But somebody might still write a, a comment somewhere saying, you've broken the law, you're not allowed to be there. Of course. I can point them to gov.uk with the rules specified on the date of which we traveled and say this is completely legal but their opinion won't change no quite. They, they, they've written what they want the statement they wanted to make and won't change their mind based on facts that's <laughs> which it. is very frustrating so it's it's you you just can't waste your time getting involved in in the hate because it is what it is uh, uh, and you know for, like i say for every one direct message that somebody might send swearing about this that and the other who probably if you reply will then say they're your biggest fan there are 99 others who, who have said thank you for inspiring me or, or you know, for getting through a difficult time in their life or, or something like that. And, and that's really quite, you know, it, it, it's, it makes it worthwhile in many ways. That's great. I remember hearing, uh, and this is only really relevant to those, let's call them the trolls or the haters, uh, a great statement. I can't remember where it came from, but it was um, to argue with a clown is to but join the circus yourself. And it's so true. You know, it's a, it's, it it's a very, very valid very, very valid statement, I should say. Um, I want to pick up on one other word that you used um, not too long ago, which is we, um, because of course, I think, again, it becomes very easy to, as a follower, following you on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else, to see any sort of comments and engagements and back and forth. It's very easy to assume that's all going to be you because as a user, we interact with everyone personally. So you say we, so you point to the fact that you have a bit of a team with you now. I know that in the years that we've known each other, I've seen a few faces grow and expand on the team. How many people have you got now that are effectively Shmi 150? Well, we've, we, we, <laughs> I, we, I'm not sure which anymore. An operation like this always works most efficiently if it is a very small team. Mm -hmm. you, you don't want to, to have, a, for me, and the way I do this with traveling and uploading content on a very quick pace it would be impossible if there were 10 of us yeah. let's say um but of course there are from the business perspective and working with brands there's the agency side business manager and and people running that um i have help uh, from my girlfriend my partner and also from a few others with running direct messages social media things that come in um obviously 
where it gets complicated or, per- or, or, or personal in terms of the question, I do try and reply. I spend vastly too much time replying to messages. But again, like I said, it's it's totally impossible for me to do everything myself. So while I try, I guess like anybody who starts a small business, to try and be as much of a control freak as I can about everything, sometimes I just need to focus on shooting a video and let the other stuff happen in the background. Because yeah. if I try to talk, sort out every bit of wording on every contract for an embargoed car or a, a, a thing I'm doing for another brand or some branded content we're doing on my platforms, even just dealing with the contracts would take me, it would be a full-time job. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's it's not a specific number of people, you know, we're basically three or four or five people nearly full-time effectively with lots of other people who get involved at different stages. You know, like, like you, you know, when we go on a road trip and we take multiple cars, we need more people to, do, yeah. to, to handle everything. So, so a, group of, a group of close friends, I think a lot of whom I've encouraged into their own social media platforms mm. uh, along the way, which is quite fun as well. Um, but, but fundamentally trying to keep it as streamlined as possible because for this type of operation, it just works better. Yeah. Let's talk cars because we are 35 minutes into a conversation. We've barely uttered uh, more than a mentioning of a few cars. (laughs) Um, I would love to hear an update because I genuinely don't know. I think I've got a rough idea of what you've got at the moment, but I'd love to know what is the existing (laughs) fleet? What are we, uh, what have we got in the garage slash garages at the moment? This is, this is almost a test for myself. <laughs> Am I giving you a full rundown? It's, got, it's getting too long. Have a go. <laughs> you can highlight. You know, you, you don't need to. You don't need to say. Uh, I, I can probably do everything. So McLaren Senna, Ford GT, Mercedes SLS Black Series, McLaren 675 LT Spider, Aston Martin GT8, AMG GTR Pro, AMG GTR Roadster, AMG G63, Porsche Taycan Turbo S. Ford Focus RS Heritage Edition and the new Toyota GR Yaris. That's where we're at at the moment. Brilliant. What's your go-to? Right. What's your go-to out so of all of those? This is, do you know what? This is genuinely an interesting question because, uh, because of the way that I use cars in terms of making videos and going to events and creating content. It's very different to the, a normal person. I said normal person, a normal car collector, mm. because. I don't have a daily commute to an office where I use a car or, or have the cars for the typical purposes. For me, the car is what am I doing with it? So, for example, having cars from many different brands sit in place for different events, I will you know, go for a car when it's new in its life cycle, when I know there are going to be events around it. Um, it's a very different purpose. If, if I pick a go-to, so to speak, it, it's most likely the G63, G-Wagon for all purposes. It just works. Um, I'm enjoying using the Taycan a fair bit recently when I'm back at home. And can I just uh, compliment just... you on the colour you chose for that? Because it Thank is you. perfect. <laughs> Not enough green cars in the world. So a green Taycan is brilliant. Yeah, I, I, it's always a controversial thing. This is the perfect example of hate. When you change the colour of a car, yeah. whether it's painting it or wrapping it or whatever it is, everyone has an opinion yeah. and many people might like the color many people might hate the color but people forget that it's your car and your choice mm. yeah it's not theirs <laughs> you've ruined it you've made it the worst car in the world and then the next comment will be what you've just said yeah and you sit back and you're like eh. can't please everyone yeah. so there's a you key know, there's you... another key um phrase that i'm going to uh, just highlight there as well my cars Now, this is another thing I see constantly on the internet. And again, it's just 
rumors from nothing, I guess. Um, the cars that are on your channel are your cars. They are not. Yes. McLaren lends him a car and he pretends no. it's his for a bit. I know, and let's be honest, we all know that there are some social media influencers and YouTubes that do do this. And it's you know, oh, yeah. credit to them. It's, you know, however you want to run the channel, that's fine. But everything that we see on your channel is your car in your name with your logbook. That's correct, isn't it? That is correct, unless I say otherwise. Yeah. I, I have had in the past cars that were not mine. It's, it's quite simple. Look at the number plate. If McLaren factory gives me a car, I can't put a personalized plate mm -hmm. on it or wrap it or, you know, those kind of things yeah. that, that you just can't do that. Um, not to mention a lot of the cars I have now I've had for years and years and years. So, you know, even at the time I got my 675 LT Spider, um, now four and a half years ago, People were telling me, of, you know, it's been lent to him by McLaren. <laughs> well, it's very kind of them to have lent me a car for nearly five years. Yeah. <laughs> and I've forgotten to give it back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. Like many people with, with such cars, I, I do have finance against the number of them. I, I haven't bought every single car outright, especially when both the McLaren Santa and the Ford GT arrived a day apart. That was not something I was in a position to, cool. to do. Um, and <laughs> I guess in, in many cases, because of the nature of it, as my business, I'm more exposed to cars than a person who doesn't do this as a full-time thing would yeah. be. Um, but in terms of logbook and ownership, the, the fleet is are, are mine. Um, they're not lent by manufacturers. And I don't think having this again is something else that people bring up a lot um, with yourself and various other influencers and you know, not necessarily influencers, people with a good collection of cars. And people often say, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah," but they're on finance, and you think. How is that in any way less impressive? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not going to ask, but I don't even want to imagine what the monthly finance payments are on a McLaren Senna. Top that up with a Ford GT, top that up with a G-Wagon. We're talking astronomical amounts of money going out every month. It's, it is incredible that, you know, the bee in a bonnet that people sometimes get into by finding some area to critique it, going, oh yeah, but they're on finance. It's like, some the vast majority of people in the world are paying maybe 150 200 quid a month on their golf and that's a stretch you know it's very impressive to be able to maintain a fleet of your size with such amazing cars that uh, that are yours it's it's great yeah I, I mean i feel very lucky to be in in a position to be able to do so and you know like i said in the, in the earlier days of doing this as a you know a single person with no dependents or anything just renting a flat with a friend with very few outgoings, paying some money on finance for a car was the greatest thing in the world because mm. it meant I got to drive around in a cool car and have a lot of fun. Um, now, nowadays, there is the more you know, financially prudent approach. And while I do have cars that are financed, I'm not, you know, teetering on the edge type thing. It's, sure. it's, 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 okay, it's, it's a balanced asset portfolio, right? It becomes uh, like anything. Um, if there's an opportunity to jump in a car and I don't have the cash available right at that second, but I can think of some great strands of content that could be created around it, it's a no-brainer to do so, uh, um, to, to, to make that move and to, to see if there are some brands that want to work with it. And ultimately, obviously, the, the revenue that can be generated from content is a big driver behind some purchasing decisions as a result. Um, it, it was always a conversation I remember reading the first time I ever financed a car, uh, which was an Audi S5 back in 2010. And I remember reading far too much online on forums 
about how it was the worst idea in the world to finance a car and you should never do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it completely depends from person to person. And there's no, it's not binary, right? It's a massively variable scale of Absolutely. what works. Uh, and even, you know, like you say, the the repayments against the McLaren Senna, even with a very hefty deposit, and you know, I, I did put in a, a big amount up front, is still a very large number. Uh, I'm just very lucky that relatively it's it's manageable you know it's it's a known outgoing and fortunately it it, it goes through and all is well <laughs> it doesn't bounce <laughs> you don't yeah. get that text from your bank at the end of the month going oh you're just about to hit your overdraft i imagine <laughs> Thank, thankfully we're all good <laughs> yeah well and also if you're in trouble you have a mclaren senna you can sell you know? <laughs> yeah there there is that there is that that's that's you know running a business whatever it is is often a, a risk versus reward right you 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 if you're leaving a stable job to go and set something up there's always an element of risk whatever it is um and similarly in this case it's just a very different business model that a lot of people find it hard to get their heads around but as you say there are some fairly valuable assets that were i ever to need to get out of somebody somewhere will hopefully purchase one and, and thankfully, via the internet, I've got the best advertising platform I could ever have to say, hey, yeah. I would like to sell a car, um, which reaches a lot of people very quickly. So I can take that risk perhaps in a way that others might not be able to. Absolutely. I must say, Tim, talking to you again, it reminded me what I what I knew anyway, is that, you know, much as in the videos you come across as incredibly likable and well-informed about the cars, your outlook on life is is very affirming. I I really enjoy hearing you talk about. I know we've dwelt we've dwelt a lot about trolls and negativity, and let's move on from that because you've covered that so brilliantly. But you know, another lovely thing you did, and I'm there's a point to me, to this. I'm trying to beat John on length of com of question here. <laughs> is that you also reminded us all of just how smart you are when you when you challenged the 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 the, the speed record. And it was it was like, you know, go, watching a maths professor when you when you put that video out. It was about two months ago now, wasn't it? With the, the what was it, three hundred and thirty-one yeah. miles an hour? And the way you explained and you did it so politely and so charmingly, and you weren't, you know, there was no sort of, I'm not here to to you know burst a bubble and mess around. You were just like, look, this can't be right, and here's why, you know. And I'm sorry if that upsets you, but this is just the maths. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed. Such a sort of charming explanation of, of, of that circumstance and why you wanted to point it out because you, you, everything you said was highly valid. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I think, you know, to, to do the channel in the way I do, I'm very heavily analytical and numbers based. You know, I, I spend far too much of my time looking at statistics and what's worked and what hasn't. And that comes from my, my background. You know, I was. I did computing at university and before that and had basically done double maths, physics, IT and computing at school. So so about as completely in that direction as you could go. Um, but it's 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 a big part of, uh, sorry to get back to it, but kind of running any business, you, you need to chase what works and what doesn't work. But equally, same approach in, in that circumstance to drill down to the absolute numbers and data of what was go what was going on with that whole situation and, and investigate it thoroughly you know it's not just a statement on the internet and I think this is actually true even like you say in a lot of the content that I do create and share if you were say there behind the scenes when I'm filming you would see that there's a lot more preparation work on small details than you would ever 
have expected, whether that's down to lighting, direction, background, noise, the set, cleaning, mm. tidying, you know, what, what does it look like? It, it's a lot more calculated than you might think. I'm almost slightly devaluing my own videos here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's, you know, if you're... Another thing I remember hearing once before, I think from another YouTuber, was something like, if you're writing a private, private diary that's purely for yourself and no one's ever going to see it, there are things that you would write that if you were writing the same diary knowing it was going to be published and read by hundreds of thousands of people, you would never even begin to, to touch that pen to the paper to put down. And it's exactly the same with the videos. If you know that, you know, if I know that I'm shooting something really special, I know it's going to get a million views plus, let's say, it's a very different perspective from the moment you pick up your camera because you know what's on the other end. It might just be a, a piece of metal and plastic in my hand and glass, but, but it's... 100,000 people, 500,000 people, a million people. It's not just a, a video I'm shooting on my phone to send to my friends. So there's a lot more thought behind everything than than meets the eye. You know, it might look like a super casual, childish, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> bloke having some fun, but it's probably well planned out. But that's why I mean, people even... relate to it as well, isn't it? Because people want to see that genuinely excited reaction. They want to see the car that would make them say, exactly the same things and and get really excited about let's let's talk about those numbers because um was there a crucial point i think i was look, flicking through some of the um the view numbers of some of the recent uploads i think it's fairly consistent now once something's been up for a, a week or so there's a couple of hundred thousand views you've got some videos that are launched way beyond a million views C can you remember the, the point in which it went from being a few hundred to a few thousand and would you say it snowballed gradually into getting to the figures that you're at now? Or was there one or two things that happened that really gave it a bit of a boost? It, it's gone in cycles uh, completely. It's, it's not consistently the next video will do slightly better than the previous video. You know, you go through phases. E even now, you know, over the last month, for example, it's been a quiet month. That can be down to less interesting content, the world being busy. Um, algorithms not playing so much in the favor of my particular genre or, you know, automotive content. Um, there are lots of different reasons that can, can make that happen. I certainly remember, I mean, I guess I started in quite a positive way that my first ever video got a couple of thousand views and my next video got 50. Um, so, so that was a bit of a, a bit of a drop off there. Um, I, I, you know, I remember well my first videos that, that did crazy numbers. The first time a video hit 100,000, the first time a video hit a million, the first time I did a million in a day, the first time I've done this, that and the other. Um, and like I said, a lot following the numbers so closely I, I can tell you I was very happy uh, about two months ago when I went an entire year of every video being 100k plus wow. um, even you know the weakest video still being over 100,000 of the previous well nearly 365 videos in 365 days and I've also got another another great another number I think gives some some context in a way over a hundred of my videos have over 1 million views each wow wow well so done. not just kind of one 1 million view viral but 100 videos that have each individually done 1 million views with the highest at 28 million which I still find it quite hard to, to take in because that's the population of a big country. That's the thing, <laughs> it's when you start imagining that as a group of people that's where it becomes well, slightly mind-blowing isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I mean here's, here's a, an, another stat, sorry I'm going completely on, on the numbers here but <laughs> there are, I think it's approximately is it 600 million people in the world who speak English natively something like that, yeah, 500 to 600 million that. people who speak English natively, and my channel has 830 million views. 
Wow. Which means, on average, more than one view per English-speaking person in the world. Zuta law. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the views are going out to, to all sorts of countries, but it, it often you know, humbles me to think how many people do watch this, because... If you see it every day and you're uploading a video that gets watched by, you know, like you say, the recent content is 200,000 views uh, after a few days. You see it every day on every upload, mm. so you get very used to seeing 200,000 people. And then you think about how big that is, triple the largest football stadiums yeah. or a decent, you know, a, a big town or small city. It, it's it's a gigantic number of people and, and it's still crazy to me to, to see these numbers. And I think at every stage, back to your question a little bit, you're always, um, I guess, targeting the next level. So mm -hmm. looking for, for what will be the next stage. Um, but there have always been these these steps um, up through you know, the views when, when videos started doing 50,000 regularly, when they started doing 100,000 regularly. When I started getting to you know each month or so I'll, I'll have a video that does a million views um in, in the month and it is crazy and still very exciting that's good to hear that's good to hear that it's still an ex as exciting how does it we, we won't talk figures because that's crass and horrible um but how does <laughs> that volume of people that are watching you on youtube how does that now transform to an income for you because i think a lot of people assume that YouTube, um, certainly what it used to be the case that you made a popular video, YouTube would give you a check at the end of the month and go, there you go, well done, you got 100,000 people to see that, so here's some money. YouTube is, as a platform has evolved, hasn't it, over the years, because of course everyone in the world suddenly started picking up cameras and wanting to vlog and YouTube and broadcast their life to their tens of thousands of followers or, or more or less. Um, and of course, the revenue streams change slightly as well. So how have you had to adapt in that time? Would you say you, you still make a good income from people solely watching your videos? Is it now harder for people to, let's say, start doing that on YouTube and making money? Or would you say the majority of your income is coming from um, sponsored content or working on behalf of brands to promote certain things? I would say throughout time, even from the early days, I've always tried to have as many different revenue streams as possible to not be entirely YouTube reliant. I mean, I, I get a lot of people asking me, did you buy all of your cars from money you made on YouTube? Mm -hmm. That That's the very common question. The answer to that technically is no. If the question was worded, did you buy all of your cars from what you do as Shmi 150? The answer to that is yes. Mm -hmm. YouTube represents a portion of the total revenue, obviously through the direct ads, the ads that you see straight on YouTube which are hugely variable in the set themselves between different demographics, different audiences, different times of year. Um, the whole business though goes through YouTube revenue, even to Facebook revenue, even to merchandise, book sales we've had, licensing rights, appearances, consultancy fees, affiliate relationships with all sorts of other companies for different things connected to the car world one-off things that happen here, there, and everywhere. There's so much more to it than purely upload a video and receive a check yeah. or a bank deposit a month later for how, how many views you got. You know, YouTube still, for me, represents a very significant part of what we do do. Uh, obviously, the partnerships with, with brands and creating content directly with them, whether it's on YouTube or on Instagram or TikTok or wherever it might be, uh, has been a, 
a, an interesting one because often in times when YouTube is low, that seems to be high and vice versa. Okay. So they almost flip a little bit. Um, so for example, 2020, uh, YouTube revenues fell off a cliff. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was great, uh, to, to be, I guess, with a lot of people around the world sitting at home, not doing very much Mm. in the second quarter of the year. But when a lot of people would send messages at the time, you know, saying, Hey, it's all great for you. You've got a bunch of cars in the garage. Mm -hmm. When your income stream has done that, it's not, it's not so great because you've got to work out how to pay the bills still. Yeah. You've got that finance finance payment coming out on the first of the next month. (laughs) Finance payments, team, team members who are also dependent upon, upon things. And, 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 you know, it's at the end of the day, um, you know, income needs to, or in many cases needs to go to the, goes to the expenses. Um, I've completely lost where I am. No, that's okay. The other question I asked was about um, anybody sat at home thinking, I'd like to do something similar. Um, I'd like to start my own YouTube channel. I I dabbled in it a, a tiny bit. I think there's probably five videos on the internet a while I've ago. I've watched some of your videos. That's very kind of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and sorry. There's your um, viewer, John. There's, there, there's my viewer. one viewer. That's it. That's the one. Do, do you know, ironically, and I've got, this is a, a real tangent, the most viewed video that I have on my YouTube channel is me uh, telling uh, telling an audience how to pair a Bluetooth telephone to a E46 M3's infotainment system because they once <laughs> removed a button. And that's had a, a, had a couple of hundred thousand views and that's about as famous as I get on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, my question to you was, um, do you think the opportunities are the same for anyone who thinks they are able to put out great content on their own channel about not necessarily just about cars, but about anything. Uh, do you think YouTube has changed to a, to a point where it's now harder to succeed on that level? I think like many things, in general cases, I would say the YouTube ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. It would be very, 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 very hard without something incredibly unique uh, as a, you know, a fundamental basis of the channel to grow a channel to a massive stage Mm. now. But in the same way, for example, that I got on board on YouTube 11 years ago and kept going, it's more a case of what's gonna be next. Is that gonna be Mm. another social media platform? Is that gonna be something else? And a reason perhaps even for doing YouTube now is not necessarily to start making videos, well, certainly not with the hope of making, you know, enough money to buy a supercar in six months, because that's not how it works. But after a few years to have grown a channel, you can then use that to grow whatever might come next. So it's getting into YouTube now is still worthwhile because there's a lot to be gained from it and a lot of experience to be had from it as well. But the goal probably shouldn't be to make the world's largest YouTube channel because time is against the person, the creator, as opposed to people who have been around for much longer. Uh, You know, I get a lot of messages from people saying, along the lines of, you know, I want to start a YouTube channel, I want to, to buy supercars, I want to have a, you know, I'm going to be 18 in two years and I want a Ferrari. And it's not, you know, it's not that simple. Nothing is that simple. No. Um, it's one of those when everyone's talking about it, you're probably too late. Uh, unless, of course, there's something really stand out. And, you know, I know a few people who have burst into the scene in relatively quick periods who now have very large YouTube channels in the car space, but still started, you know, four or five years ago. It didn't, yeah. didn't start now. I'm just thinking about, um, we're probably thinking about the same person here, but James is a perfect example. JWW. I think we both met James at about the same sort of time when he was linked with 
Gumball. And I remember at the time, um, this would have been 2013, 14, 15, and James saying then, I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel. And we even had this conversation of, kind of think that's been done now. And But James went against the grain, and now, of course, JWW as, a, as its own brand is, is doing amazingly. He gets a lot of subs. And that was quite a... That was a shocking thing for a lot of people to go. Wow, it's possible. You know, you can, uh, you can pick it, up a camera in a film. But, but but even now, uh, and I mean, e- even in in James's situation and in others, it, it's taken, for example, for him longer to get to the size of the channel he is than people like myself mm. who started back as and when to get to that level of views and subscribers, because the the time thing is is relevant and is part of it. Um, there are, I mean, mostly in the US, to be honest, because oddly, um, this is quite a funny one. The, the UK, when it comes to car YouTubers, was really early on the game. Oh, like, right. There were a couple of us who were growing big channels long before people in America or other countries, which is quite unusual when it comes to, to the Internet. Um, there was a, a period whereby the, the US car tubers were, were growing at an immense pace. Um, and still are obviously in many ways, but effectively playing catch up, um, which I, you know, lots of people who are, who are now friends around the world, uh, which is very fun. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those never say never cause you don't know, but a lot of people don't realize even for me, like I said, I uploaded videos on a daily basis for years, not earning anything from it. I did it cause I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the comments and I enjoyed the exchanges. And even now that's still the case. You might have a, a one-off viral video or even even in your own case for example you might upload a video that does really really well but to consistently mm. put out videos that do really well which is obviously what you would need to be doing in order to um, generate uh, enough to do it as a full-time activity in in most of the places in the world where you'd have the kind of cars to be able to film in the first place um, is not the easiest thing to do not impossible but not the easiest yeah. have you got uh are there any halo cars that you're still aspiring towards because I, and, and i think that could be a lot of people will maybe assume that you don't when it gets to the point that you're buying or financing million pound hypercars it must be very easy to think oh well, he's, he must have everything he needs there are there still a couple of cars that stand out as the ones still to own and i'm i'm thinking probably more so towards the the classic car line i know that we both for example, share a particular interest in a a, a a certain model of Ferrari, which has a big V12 engine and is basically <laughs> an F1 car with a shell put on top. Um, is is the F50 one that you're... I know you've spoken very publicly in the past on your channel and, and just sat in a pub together talking about uh, dream cars. Is that still one you have? or Would you say there's still a really long list of cars that you wish to own? Do you think it's ever going to get to a point where enough is enough? Or do you think it's going to get to a point where you might even are you working out a process of um working out what you need or or what fulfills you in life to have maybe just five at some point or is it just i have no idea (laughs) my answer might surprise you i i mean we're car guys so of course i would dream of owning a ferrari f50 i would dream of owning a mercedes 300 sl gullwing and there are many classic cars that I would love to spend more time around. I've been lucky to drive them and take them on on, on long journeys in some cases. Um, there are also cars on the horizon that you know I'm mesmerized by. For example, the era we're about to have with deliveries of AMG One and Aston Martin Valkyrie. Yeah. 
However, the thing that I suspect will be a bit of a surprise is my personal experience of stepping up into the Senna and the Ford GT, each of which were double or, or more than anything I had owned up to that point, actually taught me a lot that I'm a person who likes having the car in a way that I can use it and not worry about it. Yeah. From a few things of not having to be to go the extra mile of where you park them, allow not having an issue with your friends driving them, being insured to drive them, consumables not being off-putting from actually using the car in the first place. And with the Senna, for example, the costs involved and the freedom with what you do with a car of that value, which a lot of people don't realize is about a quarter of the value of an AMG One or a Bugatti mm. Chiron or, or something of that level. It's it's a very different level even there. Actually hinders what I can do with it. So I I actually much prefer personally enjoying cars that are at a price point that I'm in my situation more comfortable being able to do things with. So at the two hundred, three hundred thousand bracket, you know, where we're spoiled with some immense cars on the market. Still gets you some cracking cars, to be yep, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> absolutely incredible. And so my answer to, to your question is really, I feel that's as far as I have the ambition, you know, in terms of crazy cars. At this stage in life, I, I've got to where I'm very happy getting to and don't feel, you know, I'd love to grow a collection with cars of more meaning to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence my acquisition last year of the SLS Black Series, which was, uh, you know, the only car that I have that I didn't buy new. Yeah, that's true. The only car I have that wasn't mine from new, although I did respray it, redo the engine, and basically make it my own. Made from it new. Yours. Make yeah. it new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I have less ambition now than I did to want a car that's a million plus. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think that makes a lot involved. of sense. It, it, yeah, it's not something sense. I would have expected. I think, you know, I. I'm not going to kid myself. While I'm lucky to own some incredible cars, I'm not your typical customer of the kind of cars that I have. And I think to comfortably run a seven-figure car, you need to be much more wealthy than I am. You need a small continent that you've uh, <laughs> you've got control over. As proven over. by the Sultan of Brunei, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and fair play. Um, listen, a couple of really quick ones from me because I know that we you know we've taken a lot of your time now. So I'm just going to be really fast. And they're, they're, one of them has a little challenge attached to it, but a tiny okay. challenge, and I, I think you might quite enjoy it. The first one is. Uh, about how much you get stopped and recognised, you know, on the street. Because you, as you've alluded to, you're currently in Dubai, you're going to another country soon, you're always on the move. But with this colossal reach, have you found that actually wherever you go, the Selfie Brigade find you? Anywhere around the whole world. <laughs> Everywhere. Um, really? At, at home, it could be the pizza delivery guy. It could be somebody at the security x-ray machine at an airport. 
person sitting next to you at a table in a restaurant everywhere. It, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's cool, but there's definitely now uh, an awareness that there's there's quite likely someone around who does know something <laughs> or has seen something. So I can say gotta... firsthand because I think trying to cast my memory back to the sequence of events of how this happened, but we were sat together, Tim and I, in a it was something trivial like a TGI Friday, something like that. Frankie and Betty's cheap and cheerful restaurant in Birmingham <laughs> at one point, and we couldn't get through the ordering process without plethora of people coming in and going oh my god it's Tim and then a few weeks later we were in Bosnia I think uh, or Montenegro somewhere and we were sat at, at a table having some food and exactly the same thing happened and I remember thinking <laughs> how on earth does you know this is this is Beyonce level of interrupting when it comes to yeah. just want to sit down and have a rubbish burger <laughs> people <laughs> I... feel so compelled to come say hi I mean it's an amazing thing to see it really is I often wonder, knowing you know the sheer volume of followers and people who would know somebody like Beyonce, is it because of being a YouTuber you're more relatable, so people are more likely yes. to come up to you and say hello? Yeah. I think like, like, I think well, it and, is. I think it is. I think it's probably exactly your lack of bodyguards. That. People can <laughs> lack of body. <laughs> people consume your media in an environment to them that's very familiar, so they may be sat at home on the sofa they may be sat on the toilet they may be you know sat on a train watching it they are in a world that's very comfortable to them and i think that uh, this happens a lot with not necessarily just youtubers but certainly people in a passion-led industry we again a recent podcast we did with mike brewer we were talking about um how mike gets a lot of people that say nasty things about him and give and give criticism but i firmly believe that he gets that level of criticism and interaction because people don't see him as mike brewer the man from the telly they see him as mike and you know they've known mike for years because mike's been on the tv in on dave or on quest or whatever it is on the, at the background at home for years and years and years and i think it's the same a bit if you think of the um the grand uh, grand tour trio clarkson hammond and may i think so many people have got to a point where they've consumed them so much that it is just Jeremy James and Hammond, and they'll quite happily heckle them in a street or shout at them, whereas they probably wouldn't do that with Beyonce or yeah, that's true. insert other famous person's but, name here. But I think it's a compliment, really, because, again, it's, it is people relating to you as a person as opposed to you as a unattainable celebrity. Well, it, it's also actually that, that ties into something I briefly mentioned earlier about the Shmi versus Tim thing, mm. because people know Shmi and even with the hate, if they hate something that Shmi does, this is why it doesn't bother me so much personally, because mm. what they don't necessarily realise is that Tim makes the Shmi character yeah. how I how I think it's going to work best online. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's a character, I guess, with 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 your, you know, the example of uh, Clarkson, Hammond and May, for example, they go by their their own names, you know, they are themselves. Yeah, true. Um, which creates things slightly differently, whereas I actually feel quite lucky that I separated personal life from internet life at a very early stage mm. and that was it almost was accidental I guess it wasn't completely at yeah. no point did you think while starting out one day I might have people that love me and people that aren't so keen so I better do a, I better be a character as opposed to a me being me yeah I mean I, I registered my YouTube channel when I was still at school you know <laughs> no idea what was going to happen in the future 
So my challenge, Tim, um, because yeah. thank you for answering that question. My very quick challenge is you early on in the in the chat, you mentioned that one of the first videos you put up, by the way, little aside, can we just say Clarkson launched your career if he was your first 2000 <laughs> video? It's quite, yeah, quite a nice connection true. there. Um, but early on, you said, oh, you know, I even put like a, a video of myself washing a car. I reckon if you did a car washing video now, it would get over 200,000 hits, 300,000, 400, however. In fact, if you did it in your way with something ridiculous, that could, you know, that could be quite fun. So I'm kind of challenging you to revisit one of your early ideas, which was to put so, yourself up in a car wash. How about the well, same the, car wash with the same car? Well, the, <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is I don't live very far away now from where that first video was, <laughs> video was taken. Like, like I'm not going to say exactly how far, but we're talking a couple of streets. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, in, in many ways I kind of do because I, I do a lot of, you know, the, the tagline for the channel is living the supercar dream and a part of the supercar ownership often is, is maintaining and looking after the cars. So there is there is an element of, of creating content periodically about detailing maintenance paint protection film. So that that does kind of actually happen organically anyway, so to speak. The, the difference is the first video was 20 seconds long with one very low resolution, low bit rate <laughs> camera. See, I was, I was just imagining you with a chamois leather and a foamy bucket and then just, you know, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I, actually, John, you might remember this. Was it on that trip? No, I think it was on the next Fuel Faction. Um, we, we did do a video of something called like going to the car we wash. We did, no, that was, uh, that was our one, yeah. We was went, it on the first I think one? The, the video was, it... was titled, We Went to a Car Wash, and it got something an awful like lot that. of hits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was just us doing a really bad job at washing four or five supercars. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just the, just the title of a video. I think a lot, a lot, it, it's a really hard one. When you shoot a video that's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or even longer, and you have to come up with the entire coverage mm. of that video, what's in that video in a few letters of a title and a thumbnail picture. Yeah. And it's a really difficult game because you don't want to be a victim of an accidental clickbait title which upsets all of your audience. Yeah. But you right. also need to accurately cover it but still make it sound exciting. Um, you know, the last thing you want is, we went to a car wash. Because <laughs> <laughs> generally speaking, it doesn't sound very exciting. It doesn't. Um, it's a really difficult game, especially when you have to come up with a title every day. Uh, this is one of the things I actually really find difficult. And probably one of the things about my job I enjoy the least mm. is having to come up with a title for each video. Because a lot depends upon it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. The algorithms High stakes. are brutal. Oh, tough, tough. It's a tough gig, but someone's got to live it. And uh, <laughs> you are. I've really enjoyed spending some time with you again, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting. John's probably going to tell me off because he's probably got a massive list of things to still no. ask you. But I'm mindful that we're stopping you getting getting some dinner. So kind of, where where obviously you're going to get mobbed. I mean, you know, you should probably <laughs> order in advance. Phone no, we, and say, we listen. Do as much as possible of room, room service and uh, the mobile delivery services as much as possible these days. <laughs> got to get back to the laptop sense. and keep editing, hey? That's it. Yeah, it never stops. It never stops. Um, just before you go, do you want to tell us? Because this is, I mean, we are speaking about four or five days before this is going out. This is very, it's very close to when we're recording this show, um, which is great. I'm not going to reveal where you're going next because that's private to you and up to you to, to share whatever <laughs> you want. But uh, so this is still early January. By the end of February, 
Are we going to see something? Is there something you're really excited about? Is there something circled in the calendar for the next kind of four to six weeks where you're thinking that's going to be really tasty? Uh, I mean, it's it's a very strange time for sure. Uh, obviously, with different regions and different current states of quote lockdown or, or guidelines and rules and regulations. Um, obviously being out of the UK with things at the moment, I, I won't be coming back to the UK for a couple of months. Uh, it's, it's almost that it, I don't even know if you can right now. We'll, we'll know more in a few days. You don't sure. want to, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a way lucky to be allowed to be, you know, to, to, to be where we, where we are, but, but also I guess a bit of saw it coming and therefore made, made that decision. Um, what I'm, most excited about personally at the moment is that I am moments away from being back in the USA, which is I haven't been for a long time, and having not been in the US for a long time, which is really the hub of both cars and social media, there is a lot to catch up on, and my content schedule for the next month or two is probably busier than it has ever been. So <laughs> I'm not one to, to complain at the moment in terms of a lot of very cool cars to drive. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a bit of a, a hypercar season. So, yeah, enjoyable times ahead. So I guess we should end by saying, just in case you you, you don't know who we're talking to, this is uh, Shmi150. He's on a, a website called YouTube. If you go on to www.youtube.com forward slash Shmi150, he makes car films. It's great. And I've got a feeling he's going to go far. I really do. <laughs> I'd buy shares in him. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Tim, thank you so much. What, what a joy it's been. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Great to chat to you guys. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Well, there you go. Um, Tim Burton, Shmi 150. Very, uh, very open conversation. And yes, I do agree. John has the ability to ask the longest questions in the world. <laughs> <laughs> There was one, I think what I'd done, I'd made some notes of what I wanted to ask and I accidentally read them as a script into one long question. So I, I apologise for that very long question. But I think we managed to get through just about every talking topic. But I enjoyed that. I think that was really good. And I think it's interesting for you, the listener, the audience, to hear Tim Burton as opposed to it just being Shmi150. And I'd be very interested to hear what you think. You know, if you're not necessarily a Shmi150 fan, what did you think of that conversation with Tim Burton and the idea that Shmi150 is ultimately it's almost like a caricature of a person. It's not, that isn't Tim that goes about his, his days every day in that style. So yeah, why not, um, why not tell us what you thought? If you've, got, uh, if you've got some time to leave us a review, that would be fabulous as ever. Um, or ping us a message on social media because we read everything and we love reading everything. Uh, so yeah, come and say hi. Hi. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Cameron Combustion on the way for you uh, in a week's time. See you then. Bye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.